Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Dur Show. Tonight we're going to talk about the Second Amendment. That's been a source of lots of controversy among my viewers and people who write to me. Uh, as you know, my position is I wouldn't have voted for the Second Amendment if I had been at the uh, Bill of Rights uh, convention. Um, but it's there. It's in there. And so I support it. Uh, I don't want to change the Bill of Rights and tamper with the Bill of Rights. So um, I support a view of the Second Amendment that I think is is a reasonable view. Obviously, you know that one of the purposes behind the Second Amendment, there are many, many purposes. One of the purposes is to grant rights to hunters, hunters, people who want to hunt. And back in the day, uh, when the Second Amendment was passed, hunting was a major source of food for um, the people in the colonial and the post-colonial revolutionary uh, period. They hunted for their, for their food. And uh, virtually every state permitted hunters to have guns. So with my apologies in advance for the pun, the question that's being raised now is whether the Second Amendment protects this particular hunter, Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's lawyers have said that they are going to raise a Second Amendment defense to the three charges that are now pending against Hunter Biden. Um, possession of a gun while uh, addicted to a drug uh, or to drugs in general, uh, lying on a form by denying that you were addicted to drugs and failing to file uh, proper proper forms. Um, and if you asked me the question 50 years ago, the answer would have been, of course, the Second Amendment doesn't protect against that. But since that time, we've had the, the infamous, in the view of many, the famous, in the view of others, Heller decision, in, in which Justice Scalia uh, went through all the history, and so did the dissenting judges, and they couldn't agree on what the history of the Second Amendment was. Second Amendment is a terrible, terrible job of draftsmanship, a well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, uh, Justice Thomas said it's an absolute categorical grant of the right to bear arms. Well, maybe it does say the right to bear arms shall not be infringed, but um, it has a modifying clause, a well-regulated militia being necessary, etc. First Amendment doesn't have a clause like that. It just says Congress shall make no law uh, prohibiting the free exercise or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peacefully to assemble. It doesn't say because it's necessary to have political debate, uh, which might limit it to political debate. So um, there is a discussion, a debate among scholars, among judges, precisely what the Second Amendment means. When the Heller case first came down by Justice Scalia, because it announced this right, uh, right of personal ownership of guns, really for the first time in our history, um, you know, 200 years after it was uh, enacted, 
um, the court went out of its way to limit the holding and saying this doesn't mean that the states can't impose restrictions on where guns can add. They use some examples. You can't bring a gun into a church. You can't bring a gun into various other places. Uh, people who are criminals can't uh, ha ha have guns. So uh, that seemed to have given the states quite a bit of breadth of uh, what can be regulated. But then Justice Thomas, just a few years ago, really narrowed that exception very much and, and said, no, if you're going to have any exceptions to the Second Amendment, they must be part of American history and tradition. That may be one of the most absurd lines ever written in a Supreme Court a decision regulating the Second Amendment. Obviously, there was no tradition or history um, uh, regulating most of what we have in, in America uh, uh, today. Uh, people were not addicted to uh, heroin, cocaine, uh, and, and other very dangerous drugs at the time. There was not, at least that we know of, a major drug problem. So uh, there would be no opportunity for the states to say that people who are addicted to cocaine, uh, even crack cocaine, um, uh, can't be restricted in their in their right to own guns. Now, the Supreme Court has a case coming up uh, this term, and I think in a couple of weeks, um, that raises a very interesting case. It's called the United States versus Rahimi, uh, where the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals um, uh, used the Supreme Court decision to strike down a federal law that prohibits gun ownership by people under domestic violence restraining orders. That is people who have threatened and beaten their wives. Um, um, right now, there are states that say, if you've been under a restraining order, if you've been convicted of uh, beating your wife uh, and, or threatening her with a gun, you can't have a gun. And that's been challenged. And, um, and uh, there are cases uh, on that in the, in the lower courts and the Supreme Court's gonna have to deal with that. now. Obviously, when you go back to history, history of spousal abuse is one of the most shameful episodes in America. Do any of you know what the rule of thumb means? You've all heard the expression rule of thumb. Well, the rule of thumb meant that a man could beat his wife with a stick as long as the stick was not as wide as his thumb. If the stick was wider than his thumb, then he could be found guilty of assaulting her. But if his, if his stick was less wide than his gun, as this pen is less wide than my thumb, then the rule of thumb allowed husbands to beat their wives. And obviously, <clears throat> cats of nine tails and um, other kinds of really near lethal, but certainly very painful uh, weapons uh, are thinner than one's thumb. And, and the idea that we, in the year 2023, have to be as insensitive to women's rights, to the rights of spouses, as they were in, in 1793, uh, borders on the, on, on the absurd. And especially since we've had a constitutional amendment since, giving women, if not equal rights, certainly equal rights to vote. We did not pass the Equal Rights Amendment. I'm wondering if the Equal Rights Amendment would have had an impact on, on this case, but the idea that a Supreme Court would actually hold, and I don't think it will, but it's possible, I think Justice Thomas will write an opinion saying this, 
he will say that the history and tradition does not create an exemption for men having guns if they have threatened to use them against their wives. Now, obviously, it operates the other way, too, if a wife uses it against his husband. But let's be clear that most um, of these orders, restraining orders, apply to men uh, against women, not women against men. So I don't know how the Supreme Court's going to come out on, on this case, but it's isn't it ironic? Isn't it at least ironic that you have Hunter Biden, the son of the very liberal president of the United States, who was not a big advocate of um, uh, unrestricted use of guns, uh, using the Second Amendment, which is a favorite of conservatives and 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 right wingers and 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 Republicans, uh, using it to to defend himself. I'll just read you briefly from what Biden said when the Supreme Court came down with its decision, the decision that I was talking about involved whether or not New York could restrict the use of certain weapons in very crowded areas like Times Square in New York, which the, the Heller case seemed to suggest it could, but um, Thomas has a, a much more restrictive view of exceptions than even Scalia did. Um, so this is this is uh, President Biden in response to that decision. Since 1911, the state of New York has required individuals who would like to carry a concealed weapon in public to show a need to do so for the purpose of self-defense and to acquire a license. More than a century later, he says, the United States Supreme Court has chosen to strike down New York's long-established authority to protect its citizens. This ruling contradicts both common sense and the Constitution and should deeply trouble us all. Now, I wonder if it still troubles President Biden now that he's learned from President Biden's excellent uh, uh, lawyers for President Biden's son that they plan to use that decision, that very language that Biden is so upset about, that very holding in defense of his son. It's irony. Is it hypocrisy? No, I don't think it's hypocrisy. If you're the father of somebody who's been indicted, you have the right to ask that whatever the current law is, even if you disagree with it, be applied fairly to your to your son. Um, and so um, we're seeing irony uh, all, all over the place. And now I'm interested in seeing how some Republicans uh, and conservatives um, will respond to Biden's attempt to use the Second Amendment. Will they support him? Will they say, you know, much as we wish that we could convict Hunter Biden of some uh, gun-related crime, our commitment to the Second Amendment is more important than convicting Biden? I think you're going to get some people, some principled Second Amendment supporters who will take that position. You'll have others who just, as usual, as after all, the politicians will just ignore principle and go right to the end result of wanting to see Hunter Biden uh, convicted. Obviously, the right approach is to acknowledge that this is a, a hard question. And you, know, you might even say that uh, Biden, uh, Hunter Biden had the right to count on um, the law as it existed and therefore not to file the form or to hold a gun. It's a much harder argument to make in terms of lying on the form. And his lawyer said in an interview uh, with ABC the other day 
that um, he um, will raise these issues and uh, will uh, contest the facts in the case. I don't think he's going to contest the facts. I don't think he's going to claim that um, Hunter Biden was not addicted. I don't think he's going to claim that Hunter Biden told the truth. I don't think he's going to claim that Hunter Biden had the had had the right to hold the gun, even if that law is constitutional. What he's going to do, I've predicted this before, and my predictions you can generally count on, but even Nostradamus wasn't perfect. I'm joking, I'm no Nostradamus, but you know, I do make pretty accurate uh, predictions. And, and, and my prediction is that there will not be a full-blown guilty, not guilty plea in this case, and a full-blown trial, I don't think. Because I know Abby Lowell, I know what a good lawyer he is. I've worked uh, with him on matters and he's just terrific. Um, I think what he'll do is try to arrange what's called a stipulated plea. That is, he will not contest the facts. He will acknowledge for purposes of the case that he did uh, have a gun at a time when he was um, um, addicted to cocaine and that he should have filled out the form. He may not concede the, the lying part of it, but then he will reserve the right to challenge any conviction on legal and constitutional grounds. Now, the two grounds that obviously have been referred to are the Second Amendment grounds, which would cover two of the three charges, maybe the third charge, but that would be more of a stretch. And also he's alleging a double jeopardy uh, uh, charge. Um, the double jeopardy argument goes something like this. Look, we had a deal. We signed the deal. And a diversion deal doesn't need the uh, imprimatur of a judge. Um, we had a deal. There was a determination that ended the, the gun case. Uh, he was going to have a diversion. And then the judge just interfered and didn't allow it to happen. But that doesn't impact double jeopardy. He's already been jeopardized by his... Uh, acknowledgement and the diversion program. And so uh, maybe there is double jeopardy. I think that is also something of a stretch. I mean, again, you have to look at existing law, whether there are other cases like that. There may very well be other cases like that. Um, so I wouldn't foreclose the possibility that he may have defenses. I don't think he's going to go to trial. And I think they're going to work out a deal whereby he preserves his right to appeal. And in exchange for now challenging the facts, he doesn't get a diversionary sentence, but he gets a probationary sentence. Let me explain the difference between diversion and probation, very technical. If you get a probationary sentence, there's a conviction on your record. You are not a felon because this isn't a felony. You're a misdemeanor and, and you have a criminal record, which you forever have to disclose. Um, if you're in a diversion program, no, you don't have a conviction. Uh, you've been diverted out of the criminal justice system into a more civil system. And if you satisfy the criteria for your diversion, it wipes out the arrest and, and everything else. Some people argue that you still have to maybe report that you were arrested, but it, it's a, a much less severe consequence to be diverted than to be convicted. So that's why uh, Abby Lowell and the legal team was so anxious to get this plea bargain, this diversion program. As I've told you before, I don't think the two charges, the two charges, the gun charges, the three of them, 
and the tax charges. I don't think those were sweetheart deals at all. I think usually people are either not charged with those crimes or if they are charged, they get probation. The sweetheart part of the deal was what broke it apart. And that is the prosecutions was not willing to acknowledge in open court that this constituted an end to all investigations regarding Hunter Biden, whereas the defense went on television and said, oh, thank you, this finally ends all investigations of Hunter Biden, the case is over, it's closed. And I think by making that statement on television, they probably provoked the prosecution into saying, no, we, we, we haven't agreed to that. And then the judge said, wait a minute, I can't accept a plea bargain in which one side interprets it one way and the other side interprets it a different way. Go back to the drawing board. She didn't, by the way, categorically reject the plea bargain on its merits. She just said, explain to me what it actually means. Come to some agreement as to the future. And she also had a technical problem as to whether she could be uh, the determinant of whether or not the diversion issues were um, uh, violated. Um, but so the reason for the plea bargaining falling apart was was somewhat technical and 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 somewhat um, uh, political in the sense that it required an interpretation of precisely what it meant, whether it meant the end of the investigation, which is really essentially a, a political decision to end the investigation. I don't see how you could possibly end an investigation where you have people continuing to make allegations and uh, where there are some serious allegations. Uh, as I say, I've known Joe Biden for, what, uh, 40 years, and uh, I don't think he's a criminal. Um, but you should read my letters. Oh, my God, he's the most evil man on the face of the earth. I know him. He's a nice man. Uh, he's always been very nice to people. Um, whether he committed impeachable offenses uh, will be decided uh, by um, the House Judiciary and other committees. Uh, I wish it were decided instead by um, an independent counsel, a real independent counsel, not likewise, but somebody who's really outside the government. But We'll see. So you've heard my prediction. I don't think there'll be a full-blown trial. And if there were to be a full-blown trial, it would take place, you know, right at the same time Trump's trials are taking place. So we'd have dueling trials right in the middle of the election. Is that really what American voters want to hear about when we're electing the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, the most powerful office uh, on earth? Do we really, really want it to be a debate about which group of people are, are more uh, criminal uh, than the other group of people. I don't think that's in the interest of Americans, but uh, remains to be seen. All right, let's take some letters. I have to say I'm going to have to end a little early today because I'm going to help Henry Kissinger, who's an old friend of mine, um, celebrate his 100th birthday. Uh, a group of very excellent people on conscious and human rights are giving him a dinner, and I've been invited to uh, help honor uh, him. I've known uh, Henry since before he was Henry Kissinger. I knew him as Professor Kissinger because for the first few years that I was assistant professor at Harvard, he was a professor, and his son and my son uh, were in the same school and um, knew each other and I think still know each other. So I'm really thrilled to be able to honor uh, Henry 
for 100 years. Do I agree with everything Henry Kissinger has ever done and said? No. Does he agree with everything I've said? No. But he's praised me repeatedly for my principal defense of the Constitution. And uh, I am anxious to help uh, honor him. So we'll do a few more minutes of letters. And then we'll take an early leave. Um, Professor, House Judiciary Member Thomas Macy stated today that he was skeptical about crimes before time in office as an impeachable offense, but felt reassured after lawyers stated that any act as president covering up prior alleged bribery would rise to an impeachable offense. Thoughts? I don't agree with that. It would have to be obstruction of justice. It wouldn't be enough to say, well, there was a cover-up. You know, he didn't reveal it. He didn't release it. No, it would have to be a crime like obstruction of justice committed while he was president of the United States. All right. Your podcasts are fantastic. You're an American icon. Thanks, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a shame you don't admire the genius of the Second Amendment that offers an always present subtle protection against tampering, uh, tempering voices precisely like yours as much as you admire the rest. It's the glue that holds the other amendments together. I, I, I couldn't disagree more. We could do very well with that, a Second Amendment. Uh, there is no right to revolt. People do. There may be a moral right to revolt. That's what Jefferson was writing about. He wasn't citing the law. He was citing natural law. He was citing God's law, uh, which is interesting because he was a deist who didn't think that God intruded into the affairs of uh, human beings. But, but nonetheless, uh, there can't be a legal right, a constitutional right to use guns to overthrow the government. There can be, again, a moral right, but there can't be a constitutional right to engage in illegal violent conduct uh, in using guns. There may be justifications to the Second Amendment, but those are not them. Mr. Dershowitz's visit experience tonight said are usually exceptional and informative. I wouldn't say that he's on the mark 100% of the time, but his success rate is still A-plus quality. Supporting the Second Amendment as part of the Constitution, even though disagreeing with the original need for it, represents a truly enlightened, enlightened perspective. I appreciate that. Thanks. But it's not only the original need for it, it's the current need for it. I think that right now um, we'd be better off if we were a country that uh, like Japan uh, or England that had uh, fewer guns. People always respond. But in England, they kill each other with knives. Yeah, but look at the murder rates in Japan and in England. Look at the murder rates um, in other countries, even more uh, akin to the United States in character. And uh, and it's not, as my former student and friend Ted Cruz said, it's not that we have more mentally ill people in the United States who get access to guns and kill. I don't believe that's the reason. I think it's the easy availability of guns coupled with issues like mental illness and drug abuse, which are prevalent in all uh, countries in, in roughly equal amounts. Uh, Okay. Oh, this is this is just a personal one. Okay, about religion. Alan, you would be wise to stop the legal BS and learn more about God uh, and why Jesus is the Messiah. Or your eternal death is not going to be anything good, and all the good you have done will be meaningless before God. Maybe that's the reason I do not accept that version of of Christianity. Um, I can't believe. A God would punish you if you did wonderful, great things. I'm not saying I did, but wonderful, great things on earth, but, but had skepticism about his existence. Thomas Jefferson, in a famous letter to his nephew, said, even if all you're thinking 
leads you to the conclusion there is no God and there is a God, God will reward you for using the intelligence he gave you to come to a decision, even if it's the wrong decision. So that's a good note. On which to end tonight's show. Sorry to end early, but Henry Kissinger, and I'll uh, see you all tomorrow. Thanks. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.